You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your PGA Championship recap episode. It's been 385 days, gentlemen, since we have crowned a major champion. And, oh, we've got a good one. Friend of the pod, Colin Morikawa, winning the PGA Championship. Let's break it all down. Joining me this evening, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? Major, major Greg now. It's major. It's major. Week. Yeah, it made, this was something else. I, I mean, I couldn't keep track of all the action today. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to say. This was absolutely nuts. What a Sunday. It, it was awesome. There was a point on Sunday we had a seven-way tie at the top of the board, like back nine on Sunday of a major championship. My brain has just been put back into my head. Kyle Porter on the scene. What up, KP? Well, I, I actually do know where to start, and it's on the 16th tee box at TPC Harding Park because that was, uh, look, like it's been 13 months since we've had a major. So, uh, again, we actually did kind of deserve this yes. after a crappy 2020. We usually don't deserve it. We did deserve this, and we, we got it, and it was we, awesome. It, it, we earned it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We absolutely earned it. What I want to do is uh, bring in our, our segment of Driving the Tour presented by Volvo. That shot on 16 by Colin Morikawa. You're watching it on YouTube right now if you're watching us on the YouTube. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. I mean, this was, uh, this was the shot of the tournament. This was the shot of maybe Colin Moore, probably Colin Morikawa's career at this point. He said he stepped up to the 16th tee, uh, thinking back to the 14th at Mirfield Village just a few weeks ago when he drives the green there and he hits a dart to seven feet and, oh, by the way, rolls in the putt for Eagle. I mean, it was... I didn't think that JT's like low cutter from earlier in the week on 16 was going to be topped. And it was just flushed. I mean, it was so flushed. I got, I got a quote here. I think that he did a couple of different interviews afterwards. And he said, uh, I'll, I'll read you one of them. He said, we got to 16. My caddy asked me what I wanted to do. I'm sure it was a split between hitting iron and going for it. And then why not hit a great driver? Why not hit that little left or right shot with the wind helping off the left? I just needed that one bounce to go forward, and it did. And those are the shots that you've got to take opportunities, and that's, uh, that's what really separated me. No, never lay up, first of all. And, I mean, I, I sort of and, – and Spieth alluded to this. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. I 254 <laughs> into the PGA Championship okay. recap. Jordan Spieth played basically with a marker, and we got him in in the first three minutes of the PGA Championship. I norm I normally tr am like meaning to do it. I did not mean to do that time. Uh, he talked about it early in the day, and we talked about this on HQ, Rick, about how somebody's going to shoot 30 on the back, the pins are gettable, yeah. and then Morikawa goes out and shoots 31 on the back. He could have shot a 29 on the back. I mean, the last two holes, he left it short on 17. And then burn the edge on 18. He, he could have shot 62 today. Like, easily shot 62 on those and last two holes. don't forget about holes. 15. 
15, he had a great look too and left it short yeah. right in the jar. That's right. That's right. So um, I don't even know. I'm just, I'm just spewing words about Colin Morikawa right now. But the shot on 16 is all time. I mean, he'll, he'll remember that shot for the rest of his life. It's the shot of the year because it's the only major championship uh, of the season. And we were talking about this before we went on. Probably PGA Tour Player of the Year. Going into the U.S. Open last year, he's ranked 780th in the world. And now he's probably going to be the PGA Tour Player of the Year. It's, it's unbelievable, Greg. There, there was, he had so many great quotes after this thing. Uh, he said the plan all week long was to never hit driver there. Uh, he said, but when he got up to the tee and he was thinking back to that shot at Muirfield Village and, and the numbers came in, I forget what they were, 274 to the front, 291 to the pin or something. And he said, like, good thing I don't hit it 330 because that's just an easy driver for me. And, and I think the, the, the big takeaway for me Okay, he's, what is he, 23 years yeah. old? Um, yes. And he told us this on the First Cup pod. He, say, he has said it in every single interview, and he has backed it up. Greg, he was like, I, I, I was calm the whole time. He's like, I, I, like, I knew what we were playing for. Uh, this has been a dream of mine. I wanted to go out and get, like, accomplish this dream. It, uh, why, why would I be nervous about that? This kid's, uh, it's nails. It's unbelievable nails. Every single time he gets an opportunity like this, he seems to shine through. I mean, yeah, he gets beat sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't go his way. He misses a short putt at the Charles Schwab Challenge. But this kid shows up, and his swing never changes. And it is the most reliable swing that I can remember. And that that even surpasses Tiger. Honestly, Tiger's golf swing, as good as it's been, there have been moments where it's kind of recovery with him, right? And – Morikawa's, he's never recovering. He's always in position, and it's, it's tactical. It, it is, uh, it's almost surgical at times. It's remarkable. And to Kyle's point earlier, you know, never lay up. Where is he going for it? Why go for it? Why lay up? Well, you look at the seventh hole, and there are two, two, on two occasions he tries to drive the green, drives it near the front of the green. On two occasions he lays up. Right? It, just, it tells you that he is making these decisions for strategy purposes and he gets to 16 and has the right number in there and says, Hey, why not? Why not me? Let's he take a it, chance at it. He did it at Muirfield village too on uh, 14. Did he, I don't, I can't remember if he went for it every day there uh, during the workday uh, event, but he did it on, was it Sunday, Rick? It was on Sunday, yes. And it was also, I actually think that it was that shot on Sunday where he went for the drivable par four and then also earlier in the day on five where he hit that like five wood on oh. the par five to like three feet. I, I yeah. mean, he's, he's an assassin. He's an yeah. assassin. Sorry, sorry, go ahead, Greg. I just, I thought that was a really good point by you. Well, you bring up like, he hits remarkable shots all over the place. And sometimes they work and turn into great eagles and birdies like we saw today. But there are other shots today, like the, the shot he hit on eight, the, which was another five wood, um, which ended up probably 40 feet away. But it's so close to climbing up that ridge and getting yeah. within 10 feet. And it ends up 40 feet away. But how many players like Cameron Champ and Tiger, how many players end up in that front right bunker? And then you go to number nine, and it's another one of the toughest holes of the day. And he attacks that back right hole location, and he's got eight feet for birdie. Now, I thought at the beginning of the day that this tournament was uh, – at the beginning of the week, too, I, I thought it was really going to benefit bombers, really yeah. long hitters, because you can turn these really hard holes into easy holes with one shot. And Colin Morikawa turned these holes into easy holes with – 
his second shot, which is a little bit more rare and uh, ex- extremely impressive. I-, I was blown away by his round today. Let's talk about the rise a little bit. Kyle alludes to this where, you know, the guys played like 28 events that are counting for his official world golf ranking he's going to wake up tomorrow as the number five ranked player in the world which is absolutely insane he went pro like what 14 months ago kp he's won an alternate field event then he shut us up by winning a regular pga tour event and then he shut us up again uh by winning a major not saying we were not expecting it, but it's just like the I wasn't. Natural. I wasn't talking yeah, yeah. a lot of trash about no, it. No, no, we were. We. I think he's. This podcast has been. Uh, I, I believe comparing him to Ben Hogan uh, for the last year. So, <laughs> I, I just mean like there. There is no like you cannot not love this kid. Like he has just this natural progression to now a top five player in the world. And now I'm thinking, like, you know, I, I joke about this in the group chat, but, like, maybe he's the guy who's going to win 25 times in the next decade. Like, he's <laughs> unreal. There's, a, uh, there's, a, there's only so many tournaments to be <laughs> We've already so, earmarked 50 of them for two I, I know, I know. I, I had a conversation. I remember I was on the media bus with Sean Martin of PGATour.com at the U.S. Open at Pebble last year. And we were, you know, hollering about, he's deep in like the amateur game. So we were hollering about Wolf and, and Hovland and Morikawa because that was kind of like what everybody was talking about at the time. Justin Suh as well from USC. And then uh, Brandon Wu played great uh, at, I think it was at, yeah, at that US Open. So you, th- there was a bunch of amateur stuff going on. And I remember like I was yelling about Hovland and Wolf, obviously. And he's like, he's like, wait a second. He's like, Morikawa's a stud. He's like, he, he is going to, you know, he kind of called like, Hey, he's going to be the best of these guys. And I was like, get out of here. Like he doesn't drive it, you know? And he was like, he freaking flushes it. And it turns out he freaking flushes it all (laughs) over the place. And the thing about the thing about, uh, Sunday, he missed two fairways. He gained strokes on every hole, but one with his driver. And one of the one of the fairways that he missed was like it was like a yard. I mean, it wasn't even in the rough. It was just like a yard off, like into the first cut. Namesake. And so you look at it and you're like, I, it's it's hard. Like I think this is a great debate. Max Homer brought this up on on Twitter. He's like, the next decade is going to be the bomb. It's going to be Bryson versus Morikawa. Like, what do you want? Do you want somebody who just mm. pump, like just murders the ball? Or do you want somebody who's not as long? I mean, he was like 40th in driving distance this week, Morikawa was, but he just is flush with his four, five, six iron. I I don't know. I think that's a really – it's a fascinating thing because it's not always going to work. But I don't know, man. At major championships, we've talked about this. I think like even going to Wingfoot, you're like, who's the the favorite? It's kind of Morikawa, JT, like one one of those guys, I I feel like. So – it feels like it almost plays better when the tracks get more difficult when you bring up major championship time. That's yeah. To think about Colin Morikawa as a favorite uh, at winged foot is crazy, but also like prove me wrong. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's wrong. Greg, we were kind Greg, of, ch- what, Greg, what plays well at wing foot? Does great iron, does the best iron player <laughs> yeah. in the world play well at wing <laughs> <Right>. foot? <laughs> well, yes. Does hitting 12 or 14 fairways play well at wing? Yes, it does. But this is the thing that really plays well at wing foot. It's, it's great short game. And yeah. the one knock on Morikawa, like I, I just said that Morikawa's swing is almost 
more reliable than Tiger's when he first came out. And I think there's some truth to that. The short game's nowhere near as good as Tiger's was. The putting is nowhere near as good as Tiger's was. But today, he's 6 of 6 scrambling, right? I mean, he's 14th strokes gain around the green. He, he did miss six greens. So it, um, does that all play well? Does driving it really well in every fairway, hitting uh, better iron shots than anybody else in the field, and getting up and down every time you miss a green, like does that bode well at Wingfoot? Yeah, well, he, yeah, it, it does. It's, it's a good point. Inside scoop. It's yeah, breaking <laughs> news. It's a good point because he's got a he's got a more mature short game than Hovland and Wolf, right? I mean, we saw that today. Absolutely. We saw it play Absolutely. out today. Wolf has seven holes in the middle of his round that he's got or eight holes where he's got seven putts of 15 feet or in for birdie or eagle. And he does, I mean, I don't like how Wolf hit the ball like he did this week and didn't win is, is almost impossible. Um, but you got, I mean, this is, I hope Mark Immelman's listening. You got to make the putts. You got to have that great short game. Hovland is not there yet with the chipping and you know, you would probably say that about Morikawa's putting, but he did it when it mattered today. Let's have the player of the year debate. And uh, we have a habit on this podcast of crowning whoever the most recent person <laughs> who, leads, who leads after 36 holes uh, as the player of the year. We've crowned Brendan Todd player of the year multiple times already sure. this yeah. season. And uh, it's probably not the last, by the way. It might not be. When he holds the 36-hole lead like next week at Wyndham, we'll crown him again. Um, but Justin Thomas does have three victories. They are at uh, the CJ Cup the Tournament of Champions, and, of course, the WGC FedEx. Morikawa now a second victory at uh, – so he's got Workday, and he's got the only major championship of the season, which I feel like is going to carry a lot of weight. So, KP, we'll start with you. Who's the player of the year? What did, what did JT win? He won CJ. Tournament of Champions. And, and WGC FedEx, St. Jude. Oh, last week, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that was yeah. a week ago. Remember that? Feels that? Like, that feels like it was like two months ago. To be, it's been a long week. Um, I think it's, I think it's Morikawa. I, I, I thought going into the PGA that in if somebody who hadn't won yet won the P, like let's say Paul, Paul Casey hasn't won this year, has he? I don't think He's he barely has. played this year, so no. That's true. Hasn't. If Paul Casey had won the PGA Championship, that that wouldn't vault you. Uh, that that's not greater than three wins with a WGC and a you know like JT had won some great events, but I think if you have one, especially with Morikawa beating JT at a pretty good field, yeah, I think that I think that does for now. That can change. Like if JT wins a playoff event or even Webb like wins the Tour Championship, I think sure. that could like. They could they could pass Morikawa, but we've only got four events left, right? We've got we've got a uh, Wyndham and then the three playoff events. So there's not a ton that's going to happen. I I think as of today, it's probably Morikawa, but I I could be talked out of it. If you're into top tens, Greg, uh, JT's got nine in sixteen events. Morikawa has seven in nineteen events. So JT's been in the top ten more often. Can I sell you any Justin Thomas or is this a Colin Morikawa? No. no. <laughs> okay. A couple things. One the major to me, and maybe I'm old school with this, but the major to me is the king. And yeah. uh and the other thing is he's only missed one cut. Justin Thomas has missed three cuts, and that has to count for something. So Morikawa's bad weeks have been 
very, very good. Right. And after the one cut, he missed, he wins. So it's beautiful. And then Justin Thomas, the century tournament of champions is a really nice win. And I know that it was a great field and uh, obviously it's a great field, but it's a small field. And when you have small field events, they, to me count just a little bit less than a normal. So it's almost like, I don't want to say two and it's not two and a half. It's more than that. It's definitely three, but the major is huge. All three of his wins are yeah. no cut small field events. Yeah, it's a good point. All three of them are because CJ Cup is no cut as well. No cut. Seventy like what? Seventy eight players or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I mean, it's a big time event over there. It's just, it's they're a tough also, one for me. I, I also the major. There are also twenty club pros in the field this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and also 96 of the top 100 players in the world so yeah that's i think we'll let right. it slide. like yeah. last year the pga <laughs> championship had a stronger field than uh every other event on tour so and i'm sure that it will end this year being the same thing so i i mean look there are 20 club pros yes but it's only 20 players and if you had 136 players with this field it would be remarkable so i, I have no issue with that it, this is the best field i think i do think it will end uh highest strong uh strength of field and the major is king to me it it dominates all so yeah morikawa player of the year no doubt that's crazy i i crazy he is it's it's crazy but i think it's right no i think so too i mean we were talking about this also like he would probably like if you take out the divisor i i can't do the math i can't even like add you know my I can't even do my own budget, but if you take out the divisor on the world golf rankings, Morikawa is probably number one in the world. Yeah. He hasn't played enough events, which, which is, is crazy. It's, it's, I, I almost feel like we're not like comprehending this properly. <laughs> like what's, what's going on here. He's won three times in a year. So two things on Morikawa. One, I hope he, I, and this goes to what Greg was talking about. The swing is so good. Just don't chase distance, right? Like mm. don't, and I don't know that Spieth was, is or was chasing distance, but just don't just, – just like put it in a cryogenic box and just don't do anything with it for the next 20 years. Like the swing is perfect. You don't – I mean, I, I wrote about this on CBSSports.com. The Adam Scott-Morikawa pairing, the sw- the, those swings, yeah. was, that any, was that any good on the Saturday? The sweetest swings on the face oh, of the earth. Oh, my gosh. And then the second, I think it – I think it matters that you win a major at this age at 23, because when you're that talented and you're that good, it can, it can kind of wear you down if you haven't done it for three, four, five, six, seven years. Go ahead, Rick. Is, is that just when like, and even longer than that, when, when eventually you get tagged like Sergio, which is like the greatest guy to never win a major or whatever. And now your entire career, no matter how great it is, gets framed around major victories because you're so good, but you don't have one. Yes, absolutely. And it's not just that. It's also kind of the, and we saw this a little with Spieth and Rory this week, life just like happens. You get older, you, you like, you just, he's so, like, Morikawa is so innocent right now. Like he just, he, he's almost like, and, it, and it's almost like it, his innocence. <laughs> he's so innocent. He whiffed the high five with his girlfriend afterwards. Yeah, like exactly. It was like the most, it was the most wholesome, amazing moment like I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> he's so, he's so innocent. It like belies how smart he is on the course. Like talking yeah. about uh, the the lane versus going for it and all that stuff. He is. Um, I think it just gets harder to win majors when you get older because you have you have the scar tissue, and not just on the course, but 
just stuff. It just, as you get older, it gets harder. Like that, you know, you watch speed struggle, you watch Rory talk about uh, his frustrations. And so I think it just is so meaningful and important, not just for the obvious reasons of winning your first major, but because of doing it at that age, it just sets you up for a lot of freedom for a long time. It, you're, it's almost like winning a PGA Tour event for the first time and getting a two-year exemption. Like, not only does he get a five-year exemption on the PGA Tour, but he's never going to have to deal with that. Why hasn't he won yet? Like Dustin Johnson doesn't really deal with. We're, yeah, we all wonder like what could have been with DJ. Why doesn't DJ win more? But ultimately, the story of today, if you're going to look at guys who didn't get the job done who could have, you're probably looking at. Tony Fino again. You're looking at Bryson. You're you're not looking at DJ. Maybe maybe some people are, but it go it wears off pretty quickly because he has one. And there's always that asterisk next to his name. And for Colin Morikawa now, he's gonna play the rest of his career as a major champion, and he never has to deal with it again. So all the question it, you it's like a it's like a free hall pass. And so you're you're right, Kyle. To to all those points, it it will really free you up. There was a moment on Sunday on the back nine of a major championship where seven golfers were tied for the lead. We were, we were getting the rules official to come in to tell us how they're going to deal with a three-hole aggregate playoff with seven golfers. Are you going to send them all out in one, which would have been the greatest grouping I've ever seen? Um, I believe by my napkin math, at least nine different guys touched the lead at some point on Sunday. Bryson DeChambeau finally cashes in on his first top 10. Jason Day was in the mix. DJ, another runner-up. I mean, take your pick, KP. How awesome was this Sunday? It was, it was great. Again, we actually did deserve it. And I think <laughs> it's, it's hard because I do, I do like courses. We saw this at Muirfield Village that – have leaderboards that separate because you can tell who's really striking it well and it it was a little it was a little bit of a, a putting contest that'll get buried because of the shot on 16 by morikawa right yeah. uh and so that that that's like the negative negative it wasn't negative it was it was ludicrous it was fun it's just uh it maybe doesn't determine like the greatest ball striker of the week it's just different it's not bad. It's just a different way to kind of sort out who the best guys in a given week are. And I mean, it was great. I, I, I mean, who did you guys think was going to win for most of the day? Like I, I, I guess I started feeling Bryson a little bit just cause the way he started. And then I had no idea. Like I, I was kind of talking myself into Paul Casey, Jason day. I was like, well, DJ's still out there. The DJ thing. I, I don't know. He kind of, it was kind of disappointing. Like yeah, he just didn't, it was. He, he never, re, he was kind of in neutral and it was just, it was a little bit like a Rory round where you're just like waiting for him to like get going. And he just never did. And I don't know that you can be disappointed when more goes 65, 64 on the weekend to beat you. But I, I wanted, I wanted more out of him. Like I, and uh, no lineup tweeted this, but they're like, Hey, back nine, you're tied DJ time to go get it. And he didn't like, he didn't go get it. And he had to chip in on 16 or 17 or whatever to kind of make it look a little better than it actually was. But I, th I thought his back nine was disappointing. 
Uh, yeah. So in the moment, uh, Greg, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. In the moment, I was waiting for DJ, and, and I thought there's a hole, he has holes in hand. And when you have holes in hand and everyone else in front of you is making birdies and Wolf went on that, uh, you know, he was, I don't know, he was probably six or seven holes ahead of everybody. He, he goes on that stretch where he goes bonkers and, you know, Morikawa's chipping in and he's throwing darts. I'm like, all right, well, DJ's got holes in hand. He's got holes in hand. Here he comes. And yes, the, the birdie on 16, the birdie on 18 make it look a lot better. Uh, but there was like an eight or nine hole stretch where he just made just part everything Greg and, and it was yeah. a little bit disappointing and then when I realized DJ wasn't gonna win I I just I just buckled up you know Brooks was out of it he was he was my pick to win he had he had ejected himself already by that point and I was just along for the ride I couldn't agree more with you we talked about this on HQ too like what is it going to take to get the job done today and at the time it was around what six o'clock or so and you know everybody's in the mix and you have no clue and so my thought was the same as yours. Well, the guy with the most holes is going to have the advantage because you're looking at a bunch of holes down the stretch that are gettable and you can really score. And so for that reason, if you're DJ and you could just kind of hang tight and you can keep pace with everybody, you don't have to play super aggressive. You don't have to take chances, but you just got to make one or two putts and then you're going to have the holes. You're going to know where you stand when you get through number 10. And when DJ hit the ball in the bunker on number 10, to the left with a seven iron that's that was a, a bad one right because yeah. now all of a sudden you got to take one of these difficult holes like 11 which played difficult with a tucked pin uh 12 13 14 were some of the toughest holes all week now you have to make something happen on those just to kind of keep pace just to allow the the final um the final three holes if you do something like he did to make that be worth something and it ends up not being where it I basically leave with 16 and 18 wondering if uh, if he needed to make those to tie or win, would he have done it? And right, I, I think no after seeing the rest of the round. So, yeah, I was definitely disappointed with DJ, but he was definitely the guy I was waiting for, and, and I expected him to kind of get the job done today. We, we were on HQ, and it was like a five-way tie at the top, and Joe Musso's like, Rick and Greg, who's going to win the golf tournament? <laughs> yeah. we, like, we like threw our hands up. Like, I have no idea. Just like, just enjoy it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's um, where you get burned, right? Don't count Brooks Kepka out as he makes bogey at seven. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yikes. It happens every week. Um, real quick. Uh, and, and Greg, I'll, I'll direct this at you because I feel like this is right up your alley here. Uh, outside of the fact that he's collapsed a little bit, a lot of bit, Tony Finau, in the last month has been awesome. And, and also um, he's going to win this way from behind where, where he doesn't have to sleep on any lead. He goes out on Sunday and shoot. I mean, he shot a 66 on Sunday. He's going to go out, shoot a 66 or a 65 and everything's going to fall his way. And he's going to win a golf tournament that way. I like that a lot more than him trying to hold on to a lead. 66, uh, 67, 66 over the weekend. I was so impressed with him. I mean, I, I loved watching Tony Finau play today. And yes, there were some opportunities where, you know, he's like comes up a little bit short. It's just, it's so close. But the putts that he made at 12, at 13 and 14 to put himself right back in the mix, they, they just impressed me so much. And he gets out to that start with Bryson and watches Bryson bomb it down the right-hand side and have 53 yards in. And Tony sticks to his game plan and he hits it to 102 yards and he nearly makes it from the fairway. So, and then he watches Bryson hit it to three feet on number two, and then he hits, hits it to uh, 
well, he had 16 feet at the time and makes the putt on top of him. So I, I was just really impressed with Tony in moments today where they're kind of turning point moments where in the past we've seen him go the other way and fail. And today he stepped up and unfortunately he just got beat. But I, yeah. I love um, what I saw from Tony Fino. Uh, I have been uh, adamant that we do not need fans. I would like to go without fans for as long as possible. KP, I think you share in some of these thoughts. Uh, Although there has been uh, a couple of moments over the past couple of weeks where I thought, oh man, it it would be really cool to look back at this video. You know, John Rahm holding out at at Mirfield Village for what ends up being a bogey. But that moment, uh, Colin Morikawa hitting that shot on uh 16 like justin thomas ima- making a 51 footer yeah that, or that playoff in general like imagine the vi- like the footage that we are are not going to have those are the only moments i i've missed it uh and and, and seeing those guys reactions in in that spot yeah the the more one i i i kept thinking like after speed said 30 on the bite nine i kept thinking there would be fireworks on um 17 or 18 I, I i don't i didn't have 16 in my head for some reason but that would have been that would have been an all-time great major moment right like to drive the green and make you there was a there was like five or six eagles on 16 on sunday but to do that to basically i mean i vince cartered it right after that because yeah. that was it like that was over and the way he played the last two holes by the way was just he almost again, like he made a run on 17 for birdie and then uh, one on 18 as well. So I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by. I thought Doug Bell's idea earlier in the week about how like does it make it easier for guys like Morikawa, like Scotty Scheffler, who I thought played pretty well, yeah, uh, on Sunday to not have. I I can't. I think he's right. Like I can't help but think that it's not at, at least. It, I don't know that it's wildly different, but it, I. There's something there. Like there was something that was just that has to be a little bit different, especially about a major championship. Maybe maybe like the memorial as well. That's like this big time, huge deal. Maybe not colonial or the RBC heritage that aren't as big of a thing. But I I I wish we could live in an alternate universe where there are fans there. What if you know? What if like how would Morikawa have performed? I, I think it would have been the same for him because he's so even keeled. Same with Scheffler. Like these, and that's the thing that's crazy is like the talent whatever like it's it's unbelievable but with how level-headed they are how smart they are about like the choices they make I think that's just as impressive as the talent level yeah but there, there are definitely moments where the the eruption from the crowd it jar it it's going to change your heart rate right and I think back to, both of these Colin Morikawa victories I think are kind of the two events that are highlighted by not having spectators. And I think they're the only two. I think all the rest of them would have been extremely similar uh, and, and they have been great. And so were these two. But you look at, like, if Justin Thomas, who is probably the favorite amongst American fans, comes onto a playoff hole <laughs> at Muirfield Village and makes a putt from 51 feet, the place is going to go bonkers. Yeah. And I don't know how long it takes for Colin Morikawa to hit that putt. I don't know how long it takes for the fans to settle down, but I know his heart rate is changing after the eruption than when it happens. Now, look, I'm not taking anything away from him because he did exactly what he had to do. So you can't really play the what if game, but I just, I know that it would have been a completely different atmosphere. 
And then out here today, what he did today on 16, the place would have gone nuts. But what Bryson did and what Tony did on number one, like throughout the entirety of the round, there would have been an electric buzz yeah. to the point where I don't think this many people would have been tied for the lead if everybody knew what was going on. Because your emotions are going to change when there's that kind of volume and, and that dramatic volume change shot to shot throughout the round. I think it's very obvious that it's different and guys might feel better about that. They might feel worse about that. The guy who it is probably the most different for has to be the big cat has to be Tiger Woods who goes out. I I guess there's a couple of positive takeaways from this KP. It was not a good week for Tiger Woods. Let's be very clear. When, when you finish, what did he even finish? T37 at a major championship. That is not a successful week for Tiger Woods. He will tell you that. However, Shot his best round of the week on Sunday. It was a 67. Uh, and we did not ever once throughout this week talk about his back, which I feel like was the low-key big positive takeaway. What would you have said if I would have told you that him and Brooks would almost be tied on Sunday night if I would have said that yesterday? With that, I, I wouldn't – I'd be passed out you know, <laughs> in the alley right now because I assume they went like 1-2 in a playoff or whatever. Tiger, Tiger went out in 27. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, no, I, I think you're right about the back. And we got a new phrase out of him on, on Sunday. He said, uh, I made sure to stay uh, – what did he say? I made sure to stay layered up, I think is, <laughs> is that what he said. said? Yeah, I have I have my layers on, which was uh, which was pretty funny. I, yeah, the the back feeling good. I, I um, you know, it, it's weird, and and we talked about the margins thing on Saturday. The, the it didn't it it doesn't really feel like he was that many shots away from kind of getting into it on Sunday, right? You you have some putts in the middle two rounds, um, maybe a couple shots in the first round. He didn't drive it great on Saturday, but it wasn't like. You know, some of these majors that we've seen with him, it's like, oh gosh, like this is, this has gone awry. Like things are, <laughs> things are not, I mean, even last year, Port Rush was so bad. Uh, uh, Beth Page was, I mean, it was like, I mean, Brooks got him by like 30 shots on, in two days at Beth. We've Page. lost Tiger Woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the the course him. was lost. Tiger was lost. I mean, it was not good. So, yeah, I think taking away from this, he's going to have six more shots in the next – I mean, can you guys believe we get six more of these in the next 11 months? I hope they're all just as good. Like, <laughs> oh my six God. carbon copies, baby. Let's go. And we deserve it. <laughs> yeah, we do deserve it. Wingfoot's going to be sick. I, I think he still needs to – he's got to figure out the putter. He's got to figure out the short game a little bit because that's where he's been so elite over the course of his career. And – I mean, think about Augusta. Like, he just didn't put himself in bad spots where he was having to um, save pars or try to make these, like, 80-foot birdie putts. He, he just – he was so sharp. I heard uh, Brendan Porath and Andy Johnson talking on the Friday about the lag putt that he had on nine at Augusta. Remember that? He was, like, back, off the back of the green. He lagged Ridiculous. it down. It was, it was unbelievable. And, yep. and so that's the type of sharp short game that you have to have to win majors. And that – that hasn't been there at Memorial or at, uh, at TPC Hardy Park. No, Greg, it, it really has, you know, he now stands over a six, seven footer and I'm like, Oh boy, here we go again. Like I'm, I'm nervous now that never used to be, those were automatic. The 10 footer, they were automatic, especially if he needed it. Now I'm, I'm nervous and you know, will not remove my, I, I could have walked away from the TV if he was lining up an eight footer in the past. Not so much anymore. Yeah, it was, it was uh, a little bit, 
it's hard to watch in a sense because not only is Tiger struggling on the greens, but everybody else is making putts from all over the place. I mean, on the on the Friday, Thursday or Friday broadcast, I forget which one, they've kind of blended together at this point. David Duvall is like beside himself with how many 40 and 50 footers are going in. He can't believe it. He doesn't know what else to talk about. Yeah. And Tiger's missing eight footers. And it just it, – it, it's putting such a damper on the – uh, the experience but there are a couple of positives to take away one it's a rep and a rep is very important and, and it seems quite likely that we're going to get another rep after just one week off and so that gives you something to build on it gives you something to build towards and we may see a little bit of an improvement and then uh, you get another rep the next week and we may get even a little bit more of a, a, a you know an improvement Reps for Tiger mean that's how he learns how to adjust. That's how he's going to understand how to make adjustments mid-round. When you play at your home club in Florida every single day, um, or not even every day, you play when you want, you play when the weather is good, you play at the, at the exact same time every day, the schedule is the same. And by the way, the course conditions are the same pretty much every day. They really don't change that much, which is an amazing thing about medalists. But besides the point. You go play on tour, you play in whatever weather you have, you play on different grasses, you play courses you are or are not familiar with, uh, and, and the round changes throughout the entirety of the week. And you don't know when you're going to play. So the whole schedule changes. And all it takes for Tiger to, to uh, kind of circumvent those issues is reps. You just need a little bit of – you need to be used to it which is nothing against him. So I, I think that's the biggest positive of the week is he's healthy, which means we're going to get reps kind of in, in a bunch here. Rick, who is your out of the, the top guys? Or, or did you still want to talk about Tiger? I had a quick we question. We don't talk about Tiger. That's fine. Uh, out of the top guys on this board, who, who was the one that on Sunday just you look at and you're like, that was, that was impressive. Like he didn't win, like aside from Morikawa. Like he, this guy didn't win, but man, that was legit. Uh, two parts. I, I, Paul Casey finally putts. Like when Paul Casey putts, it's scary. Like he's, his swing looked great. Yeah, he's very. I mean, from tee to green, one of the best to ever do it, and and just cannot putt to save his life. So to see him actually roll some in, yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's probably Tony Finau. I I love Finau. I I think in the first three holes, both him and Brooks went. Uh, I think they both went birdie, birdie, par or something like that. And uh, I'm like, Bryson. oh my, or Bryson. Sorry, that's yeah. what I meant. Not, definitely not Brooks. <laughs> no. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, these two are going to do this thing where they feed off one another. Uh, you know, Bryson is doing the full on weightlifter, huff and puff, bomb it as far as he can. And Tony Finau's walking past his drive every single time. Like it's like, I was very impressed with Finau and I, and I feel like, I mean, it's been, it's been a month. It's been a month. He's played great, but I, I like this Finau in, in chase mode. I, I, I tweeted this, but I wanted Finau to show what, show Bryson, what like uh, authentic, like natural power looks like. <laughs> and for Bryson to show up at Wingfoot looking like, I mean, just, just three spins easily, like just over three bills on the scale. Just, <laughs> just trying to, I mean, the, my favorite tweet of the whole day was Robbie Callen, uh, who used to work at CBS. Uh, he said, I love it when Tony Finau like check swings and it's like a f within a foot of, of Bryson's drive after he, <laughs> he does this like weightlifting thing. Oh, it was so, 
the whole thing was great. Like they were a, a really fun, interesting duo. I thought to kind of play off each other on Sunday. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, quickly, Greg, we're going to get to a break here in a second, but uh, we got to talk about Brooks and oh. there's not much to talk about. I mean, he was never involved in this thing on Sunday. Um, I, I think this goes back to a lot of what we talked about, uh, about TPC Harding Park, where it's a fair golf course. It, it punishes you when you're in the wrong spot. It rewards you when you were in the correct spot and Brooks over and over and over again on Sunday. And even on a lot of parts on Saturday, which he was able to hold together, he was in the wrong spot. I got to scroll down to find his name. Uh, <laughs> as I do that, I, I'll, my one guy to answer Kyle's question is Matthew Wolf. I'll leave it at yeah. that. Um, that was so impressive in his yeah. first major. But anyway, um, yeah. So Brooks today had he, – he didn't strike it terribly. I mean, he had 11 of uh, 18 greens. I guess that could have been a little better. I mean, look, the whole thing was bad. Let's be honest. The whole thing was bad, but the putting was really bad. And I'll say it's really, really difficult to change your entire putting stroke in two weeks and contend on Sunday of a major when everybody's going nuts and you've got to make birdies. And there's a big difference between having to make pars to contend and having to make birdies. And when you get on that kind of golf course, which Brooks experienced at Bell Reeve, your game has to be at a really, really high level. And unfortunately, Brooks got into this position through sheer willpower. I just, I don't believe his game is really ready this in this major championship to, to win again. And uh, it's kind of maybe proved to himself how prepared you really have to be come time for majors. If you want to win, which which I hate that line. If you want to win, of course you want to win, (laughs) but we've considered wanting to win at all. (laughs) Yeah. But Brooks, who clearly wants to win, puts himself in that position through sheer willpower. And now we see that, hey, maybe that putting stroke needs a little bit more work. Maybe that full swing, maybe he's got to make, like the ball isn't cutting the way that he wants to. He likes to start it left and have it peel. It's been so reliable. It was reliable at Bell Reeve, Shinnecock, at Aaron Hills. Every, every major he's won, he's had this go-to fade that was automatic. And it wasn't automatic today. And he get, gets himself out of position. And next thing you know, a couple bogeys later, and now you're forcing. Now you're chasing. And now the whole round changes. So that, that's what Brooks kind of fell into today. But I think he'll be – he needs a couple weeks. I think he'll be ready to go for Wingfoot. Do you think he'll take any shots at DJ before Wingfoot? <laughs> My did, gosh. So did you, did, did you think that was a, a real shot? What did he say? DJ – I guess DJ has one, but nobody no, else it, has really won one. It wasn't like – I mean, trust me, we blow things out of proportion on yeah. Twitter or whatever, but the broader point was he, he like went out of his way to do it. Like it wasn't like he got teed up on DJ or something. He, he basically just like starts going after it multiple times in yeah. different interviews. And you're like, wait a second. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't really understand. I, I think one of the problems for Brooks on Sunday, and I said this on HQ or I might have tweeted. I don't know. There's a lot going on. Uh, he, it was it was bad for him whenever they set the course up for a ton of birdies and the wind wasn't blowing because I and I think this is part of the reason that Brooks has fared better at major championships. I just think he plays better when it's harder and I think his game is set up better for when it's more difficult. I mean, think about winning Shinnecock, how how sick that place is, and winning. Um, Beth page like how difficult that was playing you know bell reeves the one where it's like kind of a birdie fest a little bit and he holds off uh scott and and tiger but i just i feel like the second spieth said hey 30 is on the bite nine i was like oh that's 
that's not great for Brooks because that's not – I don't think that's the game that he wants to be – he doesn't he doesn't want to be messing with guys like, uh, you know, Cam Champ rolling in like 40-footers on these like flat greens. Like that's yeah. that's not his deal. And I, I didn't think he was going to shoot 74, but I, I got a little concerned about it going in. Producer Jacob says, I don't think Brooks knows how to, how to not troll. I'll, I'll alter that and say, I don't think Brooks knows who to troll. Why, <laughs> why is he trying to get into DJ's mind? That seems like a waste of time and energy. If you, if you throw one little jab at Bryson, you're probably in. Like You are, yeah. you are living rent-free, homie. Yeah. Uh, DJ doesn't care. Like this doesn't, That doesn't work on him. So I think he just do, needs to fix Do you think DJ, did DJ even know what was said? Uh, well, yeah, because there was an interview where he was like, well, I, I got one or whatever. Like he, he oh, like, acknowledged it okay. later, but okay. like, he doesn't care. He yeah. Doesn't care no, I, I, there was some great like Twitter stuff about this on on Sunday morning where, and, and this has been said before, but like Brooks wants to give as few craps as DJ does. And he wants you to know that he wants to give that little, like he wants to care that little. And DJ actually is what I think Brooks is like trying to be. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's probably fair. Uh, all right, boys, we got to do a little odds and ends, a little one and done and look ahead to the Wyndham championship. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back. All right. Uh, Mark and Kyle in the matchups pool both go six and three but through our tiebreaker kyle porter give him the belt wins the matchups six and three but you had decky and dj who were dogs so you win the t- you win the tiebreaker over mark and you get to take your uh victory lap right now uh when hideki got within like two strokes on saturday i was like I legit thought Hideki missed the cut. I, I had no idea he was he was still in the tournament. <laughs> and he kind of mixed it up on the weekend. So I, who was the matchup with Hideki? I don't even remember. I think Webb, right? It was with Webb, correct. Okay. And then DJ was with Brooks? Rom. Rory? Rom. Mm-hmm. Rom had a good uh, Sunday. Shot 31 on the back. 
He did indeed, which moved him into 13th place ahead of Brooks Kepka. I only know that because I, he was my default one-and-done pick because I had no one left to run out there, so I ran out Rom. Greg, you ran out Brooks Kepka along with Kyle, along with uh, Mark Immelman, along with producer Jacob. Look at this. Everybody rolling out Brooks. Uh, but Greg, even though you are disappointed with his 69,500 points, you still retain the lead at 4.8 million. So you can now take your four. When are we going until Jacob tour championship or the week before? Uh, we'll go to, he, he we'll doesn't, to he has no idea. You don't know. This entire season is, is moot anyway. So when are we going to? I say the Astro championship and uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll go to it and you could set a set amount of points to wager. Love it. This is oh, like that. Jeopardy. Like Jeopardy. Final Jeopardy. Wow. Since there's no technical money at stake for the tour championship. Correct. It's only oh, yeah, and it's and it's the uh, yeah, we we have handicapped starts as well. So Right, oh, right, yeah. right. So instead of someone just winning fifteen million dollars. Let me tell you, I might not have anybody who's gonna qualify for the tour championship left. So <laughs> well, I mean, there's thirty players in the tour championship. I don't think we've had thirty events in the one and done. Yeah, we'll yeah, Rick. That's more. about we've we had like three or four months off. How where did all your guys go? What happened? Him. I used Justin Rose like the like Tory Pines. I thought I was the smartest guy around. <laughs> he missed the cup by like eight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, uh, trust me, I know. Yeah. Uh, but Greg, you you're up one point two million, so you've got a a pretty strong no lead on this. What's your uh, what's your strategy for the final couple events here? Well, I, I mean, it's for me. It's just picking uh, who I think's gonna. I got like guys everybody that, picking guys that want to win. <laughs> is, is <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> guys who really want it. Uh, I think I still got Web for this week. I've been saving. Web, I think I got. Oh, I got to take a clutch. look. I, I think I got Web for this week. I mean, look, I I don't know what happened, Rick, but I have a lot of ammo in the tank. It's just a matter of our. Like I still have Rory. I um, whoa. I, I got I got DJ. I got some. How got are some we ammo. losing to you? Well, yeah, I, that's. I, I think I think we should roll this over to next year, like the Ryder Cup points, and like. <laughs> Like just keep going through guys through next season as well, <laughs> to where we get to, we get to next year's Open Championship, and you're you're having to take like Scott is, is, is Rio Ishikawa in the field this year or no? I, I think Rio's do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I actually don't hate the idea. Make it a marathon. That would be it, awesome. Would, it definitely changes the strategy. Maybe we yeah. go on a two-year cycle next year. But end Mark, this one, Mark would be not pleased with that with that choice. Change, changing the rules midseason is not something that I think Mark would love. Um, all right, let's talk Wyndham Championship. So this is our final regular season event. Uh, this is essentially the Webb Simpson Open, right? I mean, this is like you've been Greg. You've been saving Webb for a reason. Yeah, if it's not Webb, it's Brant Snedeker. I mean, both these are the these are the guys this week. Uh, I'm not sure about Brant; he hasn't been playing great. But this is the kind of place where you come back and randomly shoot a 59, right? So uh, this is going to be a fun week. It's some of the for Webb Simpson to play this event every year. It speaks to how special it is to him, and I think it's really cool because. It, like last week he played six events in a row and this one's right in the middle. And it's like a, a very clear week off in the schedule last year. It was anyway, I know this year is very different, but it's still this year. It's a very clear week off for the big names and to get a Webb Simpson to go back there every year is really cool. And 
um, and then the other thing is, my favorite thing about this event is the FedEx Cup race, right? Where does everybody stand in the FedEx Cup? It's the first time where the FedEx Cup points and the projected points and all the things that they show throughout the year, you actually feel like they mean something. Are we going to get into the playoffs? So hey, 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 those FedEx cool Cup event. points mean something every single week of the year, Greg. I, I know they do, but you don't – it's so hard. It's, it's like watching a baseball game in week three, right, or, or, or the third game of the year. It means something, of course, but it's hard to, ra- it's hard to um, put into context how much it means. And when you get to Wyndham and you see a guy who's going from 125th to 127th in the project because they missed a, a eight foot putt or made an eagle putt. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, wow, now he's in, now he's out, and there's real drama, and it becomes much more real. So that's one of the reasons why it's a it's a really cool week for me. I'm uh, I'm off next weekend. I will not be participating. So you know what that means, right? Jordan Spieth's gonna win. Spieth by three. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Spieth in the field. Patrick Reed in the field. Brooks Kepka in the field am i reading this right brooks yeah, Kepka justin rose webb simpson obviously wow this is pretty stacked uh okay kp do you know who won this last year because i would have gotten this wrong uh poston right yeah jt poston that's one of the that's the one i can never remember when i play the game like oh who won whatever whatever um so you can go like different years different events well, usually i go back so i i would have to start at like right like i want to start right now and i want to go back like in time and and try to see how many events i could do like that's that's the way my brain works okay so like you so you'd have to do them in order yeah right so i'd have to see how far i can go back but but then the 2020 pga championship oh that was easy morikawa i got the how i I forgot who won the memphis event last week (laughs) yeah yeah so you you would have blasted one event um but no i but but there are always a few every year that i'm like i get stuck on the same spot and this was one of them uh yeah so it's a web week we've got great course history greg you and i we're gonna be breaking this whole thing down for dfs and betting purposes uh so keep an eye out for that gentlemen congratulations you made it through your first major championship week of 2020 we're gonna miss you next week kp one last thing how how good is mark howard gonna be in the Ryder cup so good Oh, I can't wait. I want to play the Ryder Cup every year. That would be my change to golf. Whenever whenever uh, Rick is king of golf or czar or whatever <laughs> we're doing, just just as your court jester, can I can I make that a rule? We play yeah. the Ryder Cup every year. I got that for you. No problem. Okay. Thank in. you. That's Kyle Porter. You can find him at Kyle Porter CBS. Greg Ducharme, thank you very much. You can find Greg at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time. 
just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. <laughs> 